Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane. And all three of us are in a different location. Uh, I'm currently uh, working from home. Uh, Shane looks Hardly like you're working. in the office. Uh, and uh, Maxie boy, it looks like you're in a jail cell. What's going on right now? Are you, are, you, are you being held at a border somewhere? You know, for a guy like me, this is kind of like the equivalent of jail uh, in that <laughs> I'm in uh, a place with no cool coffee shops. With no interesting restaurants, mm. um, very little cult. I'm gonna offend somebody. Culture to speak of <laughs> I, the whisper. Reno, Nevada, in a, a casino. You're coming to us from a casino. I don't even care about gambling. So you know, it's uh, this. This place does nothing for me. But anyway, so basically, I'm in this business center. Actual role, and basically, it's clearly never been used because, like, over here, there's like that. This was where <laughs> a computer was. There's just a computer keyboard behind me. There's some kind of office. There is a printer. There's Ash in the booth next to me, and yeah, man, this is a nice, quiet spot because it's a day off on tour. Uh, we are driving towards San Francisco, but the bus driver can only do eight hours at a time. So yesterday we had a day off as well, and we were in Salt Lake City, also sucks. And then uh, we're going to be in a real city tomorrow, San Francisco, where crime rates are sky high. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching an Arkell's story, actually, mm. Thought you it looked like everyone was watching the prices right or something, but it panned yeah. over to you, Max, and you had your earbuds in and you were busily working on your computer. Yeah. What were uh, you the, doing? Uh I got lots of ideas, man. I'm working on lots of stuff. You know me. <laughs> like band stuff? You're writing a script? What were you doing? I was so curious. Um 
things I can't talk about on, on air, but you know, I'm, I'm always thinking stuff, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't say to everybody right now. Cause I don't want to jinx it. Maybe it will never come true if I, if I say it out loud, but yeah, also working on set lists for the Canadian tour, which you guys, I hope can come to well, three shows, Guelph, Peterborough, St. Catharines. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but before I ramble on about tour, how are you guys doing? What's going on? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on uh, drugs right now. I'm on my first day of Ritalin. So this is a big day. Really? Yeah. Tell, tell us why. Yeah. So I'm legally drugged. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I found life. It was hard to keep up. Like I could manage in my thirties when I didn't have children and I just had to like worry about a nine to five job, but adding children to the mix and then adding all these side projects and like uh, this family tree and all this stuff, it was too hard to do too hard to cope and manage. And like all my little tricks and coping mechanisms weren't serving me to uh, be productive. So what does Ritalin do? I'm always confused about what drugs do. Is it an upper or a downer? Is it more like cocaine or heroin? That's the, that's the divide, right? More like meth, but it, it doesn't <laughs> act like meth if, you're, if you have ADHD. If you have ADHD, it kind of gets you to just probably what I would think a person who's more neurotypical experiences, which this is like a healthy level of dopamine. Uh, is your dopamine low or high? Low. Really, if you have ADHD, like it's it's hard to um, I don't know, like get any motivation to do anything. Like you really have to play a little bit of mental chess to trick yourself into doing anything, unless you're very interested in it. That's why a lot of people with ADHD are kind of creatives because that's mm. all they get out of bed for. But definitely, like I would say, I tested it on the on the bus ride over here. Like I wonder if I can focus on reading more. And I would mm. say I probably, if I really focus, I could maybe read 20 pages an hour. Now I think I could probably read 50 or 60 pages in an hour. Whoa, just like that with one pill. Yeah. Are you Man. sure you can get the pill from Limitless? Because that seems like a really <laughs> big jump. No, I, I think average people probably read 40 to 60 pages an hour. I, I think wow. really like a kind of slower is 30. 20 is just abhorrently slow. Uh, so... I like I was going like very, very slow reading and my retention rate, even at 20 pages an hour would, would be terrible. But now, yeah, I, I've at least doubled it after one day of Ritalin. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also susceptible to uh, playing my mind, playing tricks on me, too. So sometimes uh-huh. the people effect is just as good as the uh, the real thing. Can you overdose in Ritalin? Uh, there's only one way to find out. No, I, <laughs> I would. I would yeah, I would think anything you could overdose on, uh, even weed, you know, you can like green out and feel very surreal and uncomfortable, but I'm on a low dose. Mm. And this is a doctor prescribed. Yes, of course. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah. every week they double it. So next week I will double it and then I'll add a little bit more the week after that. And then I'll be doing four times what I'm doing the week Whoa. after that. What do you predict is going to happen to your life? How's it going to change? What are you I've hoping for? To people, people who have done this just with a different ADHD drug, they said it could be mere coincidence, but they went to just kind of surviving to thriving and having like a business that was very, very successful. So that yeah. was a huge motivation for me, especially because I always considered uh, this person very stable. And I'm like, geez, like I feel like he's the stable version of ADHD and I'm very unstable and impulsive. So I want to be more grounded. So that's why. I took the plunge. I saw a psychologist. Also, I uh, just had a family a meeting with my family doctor and her daughter has ADHD. So it was very 
I don't know, a relief. Have you have you told your kids yet? Have you sat them down and told them that daddy's going to be a different person? I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know. I would expect my one daughter definitely has traits that don't worry me, but I got an eye on her. Mm. 50% chance of your, your children having what you have. Do you think she, she should just get on Ritalin like sooner rather than later? Like why, why go through the trouble of the next, you know, 35 years of her life without just, just get her on it. You have to be six. Uh, That's the minimum. And uh, my daughter is five. So We'll see. She's happy going. birthday. <laughs> oh, are you talking to Mike? No, no, He's no. Meeting, I said happy I birthday, you, Lucy. When you turn six, you're going to give her a box oh. of pills. Yeah, That's yes, the yes, joke. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. I, I'm on my phone. So my phone can only see the person who uh, is talking. And since you were talking, Max, I thought maybe like Danica came by with like a piece of cake for Mike or something. Oh, no, no. Mike just had his birthday. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Well, Danica's actually in the office. This is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm in a much nicer office area because Danica's set up her office like with a nice window in the background when she's working from home because Danica's mm. now back to work after a long mat leave uh, with our second daughter Roberta uh, but when she's not home so Thursdays are really like I'm working from home Danica's at the office both kids are in school I immediately steal Danica's office because the fucking light is awesome mm. as you guys can see coming in right now I feel bad because Shane's obviously stuck in a dark edit bay and Max literally has a cage rolled down behind him in this weird section of the uh, the what is it Nevada R- Reno the Reno yeah we're casino. in the what's this hotel called the Nugget we're in the Nugget oh, okay. hotel all right all right but yeah so I'm I mean you know my life is far more uneventful Shane is obviously trying this new uh, uh, prescription and it seems to be working so far in the first 24 hours if we go by page count on a book and uh, you know Max <laughs> Max, you're on the road. I want to hear about the road because I know you've had some issues, but I will say to our listeners, this is going to be a quicker pod because I have to go to an open house uh, uh, for Winona. Uh, Are you buying at, another house for Winona? <laughs> yeah, buying a house for No, Max, when you have kids, their schools have open house where you go talk to the teachers. They show oh. you around their class, the art area, all this shit that they do. Oh, so cool. Winona is very excited for this moment, and I got to go do that, and you know, then I'm going to take her to a restaurant or whatever. Okay, here's a question. Yeah, you're going to take her to a restaurant. You're going to take her to Eastside Murray's or Jack Astor's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I let her choose. She chose Jack's. But yeah, and, I'm like, when it's just me, it's like they know they're going to restaurants. It's gotten to the point where Winona actually doesn't want to go to restaurants. She's like, can we just make mac and cheese? And I'm like, come on, let's go to a restaurant. She's like, no, let's. And I'm like, fuck. She's literally, this is no joke. I since Danica the other day. She has been to more restaurants at the age. She'll be turning five in a couple of weeks. She's been to more restaurants at the age of five than I probably went to before I was 20 years old. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel that way too. Cause my parents, we didn't go out like maybe once every couple weeks if we were lucky, but I always think if I, once every, well, no, once every, maybe once a month, like not much though, but compared to what I do now, which is three times a day. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> um, so I always think red lobster, a uh, Swiss chalet once a year. Once a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Mike, but, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Are you feeling like, what is the feeling of having the house entirely to yourself all day? I can only imagine what you're getting up to today. Like, what are you doing? Well, today's actually been a busy day. We had to deliver some scripts and stuff. So I was like, I was working, but on a typical, let's just say that if people want to go for beers on a Wednesday, 
<laughs> if people want to go for beers on a Wednesday, if people can't see Max is making jokes, visual jokes. Uh, if, if people want to go for beers on a Wednesday night, let's just say I don't think that's a bad idea because I'm going to have the house all to myself on a Thursday if it's going to be a bit slow. But uh, yeah, if there was like a camera sort of in my like house showing what I did, it's kind of like Tom Cruise in Risky Business. It's like I'll work <laughs> for 20 minutes and then I'll go on the drum kit for like a half hour, like boom, bop, boom, bop, boom. Then I'll go back and do a bit more work. Then I'll sort of like look at Raptors news. Then I'll like sort of like walk around the house like, yeah, maybe I'll do the dishes. It's 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 a nice pace. I feel very sort of like unsped uh, up at all, you know, but you still got to, mm. you know, I do set out a to-do list and I got to make sure I do certain things by certain times of the day because if I do not, it ends up getting pushed to the next day, you know? So I am very sort of like task oriented when I have a loose day like this. Like I remember Shaney went to a high school called Westmount and the famous thing about Westmount here uh, in Hamilton is that it was, it was, it was like learn at your own pace. You weren't like, they had an untraditional sort of structure for learning. I went to McNabb where it was just like a typical high school. You had to hand in your assignments, but the rumor and Shane can speak to whether this was true or not was like, Oh, it's like very loose and we don't really adhere to the conventions of sort of traditional learning. Like it's like you learn at your own pace. You sort of do the work if you want to do it. And I always thought like, Oh, I'd be like good with that. But I don't know, like I wouldn't have been mature enough in high school to do that. I needed to become an adult and set like sort of fucking barrier or, or sorry, limitations for myself or whatever you want to call it, construct within it, which I need to work. Shane, how did you find that working arrangement when you went to high school at Westmount? They switched up the structure of the school because of me. So what, <laughs> <laughs> what I used to do is, um, okay, so just to explain, at Westmount, you would have a semester uh, uh, to submit 20 units, they called them, of work. And you, and each subject, you'd have 20 mi- units. So math, let's say. 20 units of math, you get a full semester. You could do as much or as little math as you wanted in that semester. And let's say you only did 15 units of math in that semester. You didn't fail the course, you just carried over. So you could actually go into the, the next semester and, and play catch-up. So what I would do is the last week before uh, the semester was up, since I didn't want to carry over, I would submit 18 units of work (laughs) in the last week. And that would be like really a huge piss off to a lot of teachers. But I would do this in every subject, English, math. I would just cram because I didn't know at the time I had this ADHD personality where I leave insurmountable amount of work to the last minute. And I would do that insurmountable amount of work. Like I could actually be sleepless for days and just, you know, have the gumption to do it. So they changed the rule after I did that the first time that now at Westmont, you could only submit two units per week in the last three weeks of a semester. Oh, Oh, because you backloaded it. You broke the system. Yes, I did. And uh, I also, uh, after that, they changed the rule. I got very far behind. I started carrying over every subject. And then by the time I was in grade 11, I was essentially still in grade nine. (laughs) (laughs) So they kicked me out of the school. So I I didn't thrive in that program, to say the very least. And you did end up at McNabb at the high school that a bunch of us went to. But then I had all the bad habits that I had at Westmount. And then I carried over those bad habits, no pun intended, to (laughs) McNabb. And just failed every single subject, like with tens and twenties. Like those were my marks. My transcript was ten, twenty. <laughs> Do you think if you had read Ritalin back then, you would have been a star student? I took Ritalin one day when I was like nineteen, 
and I just fucking killed that day. And I remember <laughs> it was like my first day where the voices kind of all stopped in my head talking at once. And it was just like a little chatter where I could focus. And that, that's why I was telling my, when I was getting my prescription, she mentioned Adderall as a possibility. I was like, no, no, give me Ritalin. And then uh, we went with Ritalin. Oh, yeah, wow. there was a stretch. I don't know if kids still do this, but like where people would do Ritalin like recreationally to get high, essentially, you know, you'd have whatever. Maybe I know some people that did it. Maybe yours truly dabbled. But what would happen <laughs> is, uh, to Shane's point, it's like all these people would get real jacked. You know, you get kind of like, you know, whatever, uh, energy, buzzy, right? But then the, I think the, the kids that needed it, it would actually just calm them or center them. It would have the exact opposite effect. Uh, ah. And then that's maybe how you knew, oh, maybe I this is something I actually need in my day-to-day if it's not getting you sort of high in the way that it's getting everybody else. Shane, do you think... Uh, uh, Mike or I uh, could could be on Ritalin or should be on Ritalin? No, I noticed working with Mike that he definitely has way more focus, like way, way more focus. Like I work very closely. I thought maybe he'd be similar to me, but working with him and observing him, he doesn't. If anyone did, though, it would be you, Max. I could see <laughs> you having it. Lesser case than me. You're more uh, responsible with your mm. brain than me. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you have a, a maybe uh, that other guy we were talking to. Maybe you have a similar level of mm. as him. Yeah, I do think about in the morning when I'm calm, just before, just as I'm drinking my coffee, that's the only time I can really read a book. And I love that part. I go to bed so excited for my first coffee in the morning because it's so peaceful. My mind isn't going like my mind's going nice and slow and I don't want to do anything. But as soon as I get that first coffee buzz, then I like throw the book the, out the window and I'm like, let's go. And then I can't really stop until I like wipe out for a nap at like 5 p.m. I go hard and then I fall asleep for 20 minutes and then I'm kind of <laughs> rolling again. Yeah. So, Mike, tell us yeah. about your birthday. Tell us about your big birthday. Oh, unremarkable. It came and went. Actually, it was it was really nice. Like, listen, the truth is, as as you get older, like, I've never really celebrated. Like, we've talked about this on the pod a million times over the years, but, like, I'm not really, like, a birthday guy. Like, one year I got so drunk and I forgot it was actually my birthday weekend, and I woke up, I like, to an email from the NBA.com, and they were like, happy birthday, Michael. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's my birthday. I, I forgot. Those were the lost single years uh, between Danica, right? <laughs> oh, the days all sort of bled together. I, I'd be lying though if I didn't say it was a fun time. Uh, but uh, so yeah, it was. But what's nice about now is it's like I don't know what the, like this might sound cheesy, but it's just nice to have people who like love you and care about you. So like in the morning, like well, my birthday when I woke up, it was on uh, what was my birthday Monday morning. Like I came downstairs and it's like there's my there's Danica and the kids and they got all these balloons up and these nice. There was funny though because there was like Raptors balloons. It was like a, it was either like my birthday party or a twelve year old Raptors super fan party, <laughs> and it was same. like they got me this cool uh, like this like Scotty Barnes sort of like uh, nice like uh, it's like kind of like a toy type thing. What are those things called? They're not bobbleheads, but they're like I don't know. They make them for all sorts of stuff. Here, I'll show it to you. Hold on one second. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Shane, should we uh, make conversation so Nathan doesn't have to edit around this? Not really. No. In the <laughs> past, I, I would have had to because I wouldn't be able to focus. But now I'm just so chill, man. I'm comfortable with the silence. Wow. Like, what the hell is Mike going to show us right now? Like an action figure? This better think, be good. I, I think I'm it back, is an baby. action figure. Let's see. So it's like this cool, like, oh, it's, it's basically a replica of his like Slam magazine cover. Oh, okay. These things. But anyway, so it's like this cool thing that will go on like my my office desk or like a shelf in the background or whatever but anyway it's like so stuff like that really cool like gift cards stuff like that but anyway it's the idea that you come downstairs and you're just like you get that warm feeling in your heart and so that's what it's like but i didn't do anything uh i don't know max when you're back from tour what are we doing yeah let's, let's party when i'm back from tour I, i'm so excited uh to, to celebrate your birthday we got to do it maybe we'll go to a raptors game maybe maybe yeah. you say max it's my birthday take me to a raptors game maybe we you do that the home opener is on the 25th against Minnesota. Oh, I'm back around then. Ho, ho, ho. I don't, I don't oh. hate this idea. I don't oh, hate this idea. Portside seats for a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, guys. Mike, you know, I, 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 when, because Ash goes, shit, is today Mike's birthday? And at this point in the day, it was like six o'clock or something like that. It was like later <laughs> yeah. in the day. I was like, yeah. fuck, I don't know. So I just Googled John Lennon's birthday. And I, and then I was like, it is his birthday today. So that's how you I got remember it. it was your yeah. birthday. Yeah, Ash, Ash hit me with the text before you, though. I got to say, Maxi boy. So here's the deal. I know you guys were just in silence as I went and got that toy, but my mm-hmm. batteries are about to die. So I got to go downstairs and get batteries. So you guys are going to have to talk amongst yourselves again. But I'll okay. be back in like two seconds. But this is now going to become the uh, Shane and Max pod for the next, you know, couple of minutes before I get back and okay. proceed. Hey, Shane, what's what's the most amount of money you've ever lost at a casino? I think, oh, like a devastating amount for my age. So I think I was 19 and I lost maybe 1500 which. You lost 1500 bucks. But it was it was that's when, a lot for now. So it was like I had won all this money playing roulette, and then I lost it. And then on the way home, I was I was in tears on the way home. Also, really, which casino was it? It was Niagara because I found when I went to Brantford Casino, it's a charity casino uh, close to Hamilton. They had certain uh, they had a maximum amount you could bet, and I was in Niagara. They had no maximum. They had a minimum, but the maximum was so high. So I was like. I just keep winning and doubling and doubling and doubling. I need those high maxims. But then it went red like 17 times in a row. 
and I was betting black. And it seemed like almost impossible that that would happen. Like I thought the table was rigged, the roulette table. But it turns out this happens all the time. It'll go 17 red in a row. It'll go 14 black in a row. And it overall, it will always equal a 50% chance over time. Shane, I think that you would see yourself as somebody who get could get really good at gambling, you know, like mm-hmm. poker yeah. or cards. Have you ever, cause like, I remember watching the movie rounders when I was a kid and I was like, I'm going to become a genius at poker. And I remember going through a poker phase, uh, probably for about four months with my friend Daniel. But now I realize, but then I kind of like grew disinterested in it. And I don't even really understand how poker even works now. I kind of don't care about it. I know that I'd be the worst gambler. So I just don't even bother. What, what do you think you'd be good at? I also, I re- it was almost like in basketball when you're young, you think, I'm going to make the NBA. And then you go to a park one day with a kid like your age and he's fucking dunking and shit. And you're just like, oh, never mind. Like, I'm yeah. not close. So when, when I ha- once I had that gambling moment, I just thought, oh, I'm just shit at gambling. I'm never going to be good. Nothing feels as bad as losing this amount of money. And I'm just never going to gamble again. And I haven't. Did you ever promise yourself as a kid that you'd like make the major leagues? Because I definitely did. And sometimes I still think about that promise I made to myself that I'd make the big leagues. I said NBA. I thought for sure I'd make the NBA. I would practice for hours upon hours. Then, and no one could beat me at one-on-one. Like no one. We had kids who were unbelievable. But I realized one-on-one is very different than five-on-five. But yeah, and baseball I always thought sucked. Like minus the 92 three season with the Blue Jays, which was unbelievable to watch. Playing and watching baseball, I thought, sucked. Well, I'm still going to keep my promise. You're going to see me in the big leagues one day. You think so? Wow. No. You know what? I thought I could be an amazing NFL quarterback, even though I never even played high school football. I was like, just like, as long as I don't get hit, I'll be fine. And then we played this touch football league earlier this year, and I was the quarterback, and we went one and six. We didn't. We won one game. (laughs) How how, uh, impressive. (laughs) <laughs> how accurate was your throwing? I'm back, by the way. Hello, everybody. Sorry to be hey, gone. Uh, how accurate was your throwing? Was it as good as you thought? It was fine. It, it was just way harder. And even though it was flag football, I was still getting injured all the time. And yeah. me getting injured, I'm such a weak, weak person. So I was like, man, imagine getting hit one time in a football game. Right, I'm going to be able to deal with it. I um, also, when I was a kid, I thought that I was going to be a professional singer at one point. I thought really, I would sing every night just out loud and sometimes my mom would be like what's going on in there i'd be like oh nothing but i don't know for some reason my voice sounds good to me even to this day in my head but you know it doesn't sound good like if somebody's filming me with their iphone or something i'm kind of like that too i think i have a great i was gonna say yeah max do you like your voice when you hear it back not not as much as i like it when i'm singing when i'm singing it in the moment i think it's amazing and then i hear it back i'm like yeah it's fine i don't think it's that great yeah, Whatever. yeah. John Lennon had that. He didn't like hearing his voice. He made them put so much delay on it because he was very John insecure Lennon's about his voice. John Lennon's my favorite singer of all time, I think. Oh, I love his voice. I love his voice, yeah. But he was insecure about it. No, I think McCartney's technically a better singer. Like, yeah. he's got more range, and he can just, he can scream, he can go, he can be smooth, he can do rock, he can do, like, jazz. Like, McCartney is just a freak. He's a freak. He can do everything. He's a, you know, musical genius. So, guys, I've been on the road for the last two weeks. Yeah. And we didn't think we'd be here because our tour bus never showed up. Uh, and we basically had to like rent minivans and moving trucks and stuff to kind of get us around. And by the time we got to Detroit, uh, it looked like the tour bus just wasn't going to show up at all. 
and we were about to literally like cancel all the shows after Chicago. Uh, and then, so we had this big band meeting at like three o'clock the day of the Detroit show. We're like, all right guys, like if the bus doesn't show up after Chicago, which is the next show, like we can't get to Denver. We can't keep going at this pace where it's like the crew is driving around a moving van and we're like in minivans or we're flying to the next city. It just like becomes, you just can't do it. And then, so it was very strange. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where it's like, okay, you come to the realization that like your next two weeks isn't going to be what you thought it was. And then you start making plans. You're like, okay, I guess I'll be home on Monday. It was like, I forget what day it was, but it was, I think it was Thursday or Friday. Um, I, oh yeah. Cause we had Columbus, Chicago. So it was like Detroit, Columbus, Chicago. That would be it. I was like, I guess I'll be home on Monday. And then, and by the way, Eric, our tour manager had been calling around moving uh, tour bus companies for the previous like 12 days, just like, trying to find one that was serviceable. Cause the one that we had reserved was still in the shop. And then an hour and a half later, he's like, guys, you're not going to believe it, but I found us a bus. So everybody was had to like, kind of call their significant others. Like, okay, you remember I told you I was going to be home on Monday now? I'll see you in two and a half weeks. And um, we are in Reno, as I mentioned. We're going to San Francisco tomorrow. But the funny thing that's kind of happened is because the band is traveling in like close quarters together, it f- feels kind of like the, the good old days, you know, when you're like in a van together. And it was so much fun. We've had such a great time. Like the band's like never kind of hung out more recent <laughs> than we ever have like recently. Cause wow. we're like in, in the van, we're like, let's go like top five American cities. All right. Um, top five cities in the world. Okay. If you had to, you know, live in Europe or <laughs> Asia, what would you do? You know what I mean? Like we were just like playing those van games and uh, it was kind of sweet. It was like a really good time. You guys are talking again right now on the, the bus. Um, Mike's been really funny. Tony's been in a really good mood. Tim, everyone's been great. I don't know. Everybody's been like really funny. Um, Tony, Tony, who, and he, he'll say this himself, who can be kind of like a surly, grumpy Italian sometimes. He has been so, he just wakes up in the morning. He's chatting everyone's face off. He's like so excited to be in Reno because he's like, you know, <laughs> going going to gamble. The guys also, <laughs> some of them like smoking cigars. So they've found a couple cigar hangout places along the way. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. You yeah. know guys are like, this is like, it's kind of like one of those like, like movies where it's like, there's a couple that's been in a long-term marriage and they're on the brink of divorce. Not that the Arkells are on the brink of breaking up. And then it's like, there's a bunch of things that are beyond their control. These forces that come together and they, they and it's like planes, trains and automobiles. But yeah. like for a couple that was like, they were on their way to get a divorce, but they can't get to their destination. So they're forced to spend time together. And then they realize they still love each other. It's kind of like that. They're talking again. We, you know? like we, we've always got along great, but, but it's, it's definitely been different. And the crews had such a good attitude. Like there's been no complainers. Everyone's just like, huh, whatever you want. Like I feel bad for Eric who's had to, uh, you know, shoulder a lot of the stress and Ash obviously, but, um, but everyone's just a fucking gamer. It's great. And then like, I went to, I've seen two movies so far. I saw dumb money. You know that movie? Yeah. The one about the GameStop stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Is it Pete Davidson's in that? Yeah, Pete Davidson, Seth Rogen. It's a pretty stacked cast. Um, so, how is it? Uh, I liked it. It's it's a movie that's like right up my alley in every way. Like the cast is really good tonally. It's like something I enjoy. Like the theme is about a real story about these like Reddit investor normies that end up like 
putting a bunch of money into GameStop. This is back in the pandemic. And they, as a result, end up screwing over Wall Street. It's kind of like a victory for the little guy kind of story. And I think during the movie, I didn't, this has ever happened to you. During the movie, you're like, this movie isn't that great. And then by the end, you're like, oh, this movie's actually pretty good. And then you think back on it five days later, and you're like, pretty good movie. I like this movie a lot. Shane, you what you're saying about the, uh, did you say this in the last pod? Maybe, I know, because I just went through the last pod. I don't think you said it. But you were talking about how a movie ends. You were saying the equation of how, a, maybe this isn't a conversation we were having privately. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, how the ending is so important. And you can often, like, I don't want to say fool the dummies because Max just said he by the end of it, he felt good. (laughs) (laughs) Magic trick to an ending of anything where uh, the journey is almost irrelevant if you have a really strong ending. Yeah, I think you were like you were like if the beginning's great, you you had an equation that was that just was a good phrase. Some equation. I, I did mention it on a podcast where a great movie needs three awesome scenes and a great ending or something. Mm. And that equation usually equals like a Forrest Gump or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually anyway. kind of true of a of a concert sometimes, I think. Because yeah. it's like, you can go to a concert and be bored 60% of it, but if they play three songs and they end on a bang, you're like, love it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot I think a lot of people think about that in a concert. And, and sometimes if I think something's not going as well as I want it to, I always got to remind myself, just get to the end, just get to the end, you'll, you'll end on a bang and people will leave happy. But um, the other movie I saw... <laughs> Uh, the the haunting of Venice. I watched yeah. that. The Clouseau movies. They're, they're the yeah. Kenneth Branagh like yeah, Inspector yeah, yeah. the Christie stuff. You watched I went, it? I went one night. I was like, I was literally sitting with Dan, and I was like, sometimes <laughs> I'll go just see. Like I went and saw the creator. Like sometimes because I live close to a theater. If it's like nine at night, the kids are down, and Dan's like, I got work to do. I'm going to bed, and I'm like, I don't really just want to go to the basement. And there's no hoops on yet, so I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, so I just drive over to Silver City. Grab you know, grab a diet coke and watch a movie. So, a Haunting in Venice was one of the ones that I that I watched. But I like <laughs> those movies. I see. I I typically like these movies. Uh, Book Club Maddie makes fun of me. Like I like yeah. Death on the Nile. I totally. Like, They're fine yeah. for what they. But are. This one did. I we left ha- like uh, halfway Whoa, through. Whoa, too scared. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just thought it was kind of goofy. Did you like it? I, I liked it. Again, not to do this, I did this with the, I had it figured out in the first 40 minutes, but I, I enjoyed the journey for sure because I wanted to see how it unfold and see if I was right and all that stuff. But I like I couldn't even I keep track things. of what was going on. I think my ADD was kicking in too hard. I was you thinking about so many other things. Or a couple pills. So that could have been all the difference. The editing? Ending. No, the end, ending. Oh, yeah, the ending was strong. It was good. I mean, it resolved everything, and it kind of ended up with like a, you know, because the whole the whole premise of the movie is essentially Clouseau is the greatest detective, but he's retired. The Tina Fey character is his American friend who's like a journalist. She comes in, she's like, "There's this uh, uh, medium um, who is like, I can't, I can't debunk her. Like, is she actually speaking with the dead? I need you, Clouseau, to debunk how she go does her shit." And then, so essentially, it goes from there. And you kind of like with a movie like that. I don't know. It's a spoiler alert. It lives in the real world with logic, and Clouseau is going to figure out how it's done. But then there's always that slight element of like, is there a bit of connection with the? And I think they do a good job in the end of sort of leaving it in a way that's like, you know, it's just a the movie's made uh, well. Uh, I actually watched a movie on Netflix. Uh, this was a Sean Dawson uh, recommendation. I was. So I don't know if you guys have been flipping through the old Netflix lately, but there's a movie called Reptile on there with Justin Timberlake and Benicio mm. del Toro and Alicia Silverstone. Wow. And Alicia Silverstone and Benicio del Toro reunited from uh, I, I can't remember the movie they were in Back years ago. Baggage. Yes, yes, good, nice pull. Anyway, it's like a cop drama. It's like a murder mystery. It's kind of like a little bit like Gone Girl style, Fincher, a little bit whatever. But I flipped by and I was like, I don't want to watch this. The trailer kind of looked compelling. And then I went on Rotten Tomatoes, which a lot of people do, and it was like 
shit rating. And I was like, eh, I'm not wasting the time. Then Doss puts in this little chat we got. He's like, great, tight little crime thriller. And I'm like, really? I'm like, all right, I'll give you the old chicken wing test. I'll watch the first 20 minutes. Tight crime drama. Not bad. It's like a, like a you know, a cop, the murder mystery unfold. Timberlake's actually a decent actor in it. Uh, Why is it called a chicken wing test? Well, because it's like, I'll, if by the time I finish my chicken wings and uh, wash okay. my hands, if I'm not into it, I'll flip on to something else. And you can't uh, change the channel if you're eating chicken wings. Ah, yeah. We've made this up. Yeah. This came from the podcast, the chicken wing test. We've just invented this. It's not like a phrase that's ever happened before, but that's that's wholly a best hang invention, the chicken wing test. You got 20 minutes where I can't change the clicker because they they got the sauce on them. But if when I'm done my chicken wings and I've wiped my hands, if you haven't got me, I'm moving on. I like that. Yeah. Um, here's a question for you guys. Uh, the other issue with the movie last night, uh, oh, the haunting, haunting in, in Venice, Venice. Yes, yes. Is that Ash and I were the only people in the movie theater? <laughs> yeah. And oh, then, yeah. I, and then I was like, okay, this is an issue because you go to the movie theater so you can't look at your phone. That's really why you're paying fifteen dollars. Is so That's you true. you're not allowed to look at your phone. Good point. So then I look at it. I'm like, are we? Are we're like not supervised right now? We could talk. We could fucking look at our phones. We could be distracted. And I think I succumbed to that a little bit where I was just like, I kind of yeah. don't give a shit. Like if you're around other people, you feel maybe guilty about leaving in the middle of a thing. You don't want this random stranger to to look at you and go, you're leaving in the middle of this movie. But because no one was there. I was like, fuck it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. They say uh, for ADHD people, it's very important if you're trying to get work done to have kind of a witness around. So you're more li liable to get something done if you have somebody watching you. I think that's why I like working in coffee shops. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah. it's very easy to fuck around if you're by yourself. Interesting. Yeah. And you can't just click over to Pornhub as you tend to do. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, you still do it? <laughs> in the coffee shop. Um, but uh, yeah, what else is going on? I'm, I just finished the Michael Lewis book on Sam Bankman Fried. Uh, controversial, you, apparently. Controversial, I know. I texted I'm, you because he's out doing the press tour. Your boy, Michael Lewis, former pod guest, uh -huh. and it's I, and you can maybe speak to this, but it seems like he's defending or or or, or having empathy for this. What is it, Sam Bankman? I Sam Bankman Free, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Bob Volgaris, Haralabob is a very famous sort of Twitter personality. He's not having it. He's kind of going at your guy, Michael Lewis. And I texted you. I said, Bob is uh, really going in on Michael Lewis. What's up? And you said, yeah. I know, but you didn't elaborate. Uh, no. Well, uh, it's interesting. I've been obviously talking to book club Maddie about this and guys, wait, can you give some context? Cause if anyone's like me, they're probably <laughs> wondering what the hell you're talking about. So, so there was a big crypto scandal that happened last year. Basically this guy, Sam Bankman Fried started this crypto exchange called FTX. Uh, and he was quickly within like two years, like worth $30 billion cause he owned the entire company. And then within about three days, the company was worth $0 and people were like, where did the money go? It was and like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. It basically like that movie you went to go see, isn't it with the GameStop, like a extreme value and then taken away. Right. Yes. But I think the circumstances are a little bit different where it was basically like the issue with Sam Bankman fried is that he was gambling other people's money and then the money would sort of like disappear. And he was also really unorganized about it, but he is, he probably has Asperger's is sort of what's implied in the book. And he doesn't have any really close relationships with anybody. Michael Lewis went to interview him. This is before everything fell apart. So this is like the fact that Lewis was with him as his world was crumbling was just kind of like good fortune for a writer to be there while this is all happening. And he asked um, 
he asked Sam, he's like, do you have any like childhood friends I could talk to about what you were like as a kid? He's like, no. And then he's like, what about your brother? And he talked to his brother. He's like, yeah, Sam was more like my roommate. I didn't really <laughs> think of him as a kid. Like wow. he, didn't, he thought childhood was kind of stupid. <laughs> and then he also didn't like adults either because he thought anyone over the age of 30 was stupid or 35. Basically, like adults just had dumb rules. And his whole thing was, was like calculating risk and assessing like, you know, what are the chances of something good happening versus something bad? Everything was a probability, basically. And I heard somebody else say that in a podcast, if you could flip a coin <laughs> where it was a 51% chance that the world would be double as good as it is today for everybody living, because he was an effective altruist, because he wanted to like get the maximum pleasure for as many people as possible, um, or a 49% chance that the world would blow up would you flip the coin? And Sam Bankman free goes every time. Wow. <laughs> because like, well, what if the world blows up? He's like, yeah, but what if it's twice as good? So he kind of thought in, <laughs> in, in these ways and he's definitely um, really smart, but also really cocky and really unorganized. There's these amazing scenes where he'd be, he's on the phone with Anna Wintour because she wanted FTX to sponsor the Met. And he mm. doesn't even know what the Met is or who Anna Wintour is. And he's playing a video game the entire time he's talking to her. He'd go on national TV regularly and be playing video games off screen. He only had one change of clothes, basically. He, he changed his socks a lot. But otherwise, he was just wearing cargo shorts and wrinkly shirts and his hair looked crazy. So I was arguing with Book Club Maddie. I was like, Matt, like, you know, he just seems unorganized. He doesn't seem as like vicious uh, or as uh, what's the word I'm looking for when somebody is like scheming to. Uh, yeah, like he didn't have ill malicious. intent. He wasn't nefarious yeah. or malicious. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then Matt had a good point. Let me see, let me see if I can pull up the text. Um, yeah, he was like, what made him any different than anybody else who's a rich guy? He had a $30 million penthouse. He regularly flew private jets. He tried to influence politics as much as possible. He hung celebs who were only interested in with his money. He sounds like every other billionaire. I guess he hadn't bought a yacht yet. He was also under 30. <laughs> uh, and he did. And I was like, okay, that, that that's a fair point. But I guess um, where Lewis is being criticized is that like, to other reporters, and especially based on the testimony of his former colleagues at FDX, everyone was like, no, this guy like knew he was acting irresponsibly and didn't care and didn't really care where the money went. Uh, whereas Michael Lewis goes, nah, he was just like kind of unorganized. And there was a world where he actually could have made a huge difference in the lives of other people. And he was going to give away his money because that was that was the original reason why he wanted to make as much money as possible is to give it away and make the world a better place. Um, but, uh, yeah, really good book. And as you know, I'm on team Michael Lewis and actually I have a very memorable story buying his book. I was in Brooklyn. Hold on, Max, before you tell you the story, which I think yeah. is great. I'm, uh -huh. I'm now tasking, it is going back to the Shane and Max pod. And one of you is going to have to do the sign off because I got to go to an open house, but tell your story. Love you guys. Love you. I actually, yeah. I have to can't wait to see who does the, the sign off, which one he's going to take it. Surprise me. Bye y'all. Bye. Yeah. All right, all right, Shane, I'm going to wrap this story up. Basically, I was in this in this bookstore in Brooklyn. It's so weird with me and you right now, just looking at each other. Um, and I was buying this other book, and then the guy, the rumply guy behind the counter was like, hey, we got the new Michael Lewis book in. And I didn't mention anything about knowing Michael Lewis or being a Michael Lewis fan. I'm like, you do? He's like, yeah, just came in. It's right there. And he points at it. It's, be, it's like on the shelf behind him. I'm like, can I can I buy it? He's like, no, man doesn't come out for another few days. I'm like, 
come on. He goes, that'd be illegal. You can't do that. I'm like, but I kind of know Michael Lewis. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. He's like, nope, it's illegal. I'm like, come on. And he's like, okay. He just sold me the book. <laughs> Wait, did he, why would he mention Michael Lewis? I don't Lewis? know. I don't know. You didn't I, ask him if he knew. No, I didn't say anything about Michael Lewis. Maybe I just look like a Michael Lewis, Lewis bro. But um, anyway, that's what fucking happened. And I got to read his book. And I emailed Michael Lewis about it. And he said, and he emailed me back in nine minutes. And he just responded, I love this. The New York Times tried to send people out to find the book ahead of time, and no one had any luck. Wow. Except, except for me. So that's kind of cool. Sorry. Well, hey, guys, uh, you know, we do a lot of podcasts, but this was a really good one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it goes. It's like, uh, I think it's like, hey, guys, that's it. That's all. Uh, that was a great hang. Maybe the best. All right. Okay. You win. <laughs> like Ritalin is seriously wearing off though. I need more. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs>